0: This is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a programme about international business and globalisation and the effects these have had on our life, our work and our travel over recent decades. There's a little bit of history, a dash of economics, a sprinkling of business and an overlay of personal experience both from me and from my interviewees. Today, in a special edition of the programme, we will be talking to economist Jim Power on foot of a call from the Local Jobs Alliance for the establishment of a state agency with specific responsibilities to grow and develop SMEs in Ireland. Jim Power is Chief Economist at Friends First and founder of the economic research and consultancy firm Jim Power Economics and has authored the report called Significance of the SME Sector in the Irish Economy on behalf of the Local Jobs Alliance that sets out the proposal for this agency. Delighted to have Jim join us today to discuss his proposal and the economic climate that Ireland is emerging into as we ease out of COVID restrictions. Welcome Jim and thanks very much for being here with us today.
1: Uh, You're very welcome, Patrick. My pleasure.
0: To get us started, Jim, what uh, in the Irish context constitutes an SME in terms of turnover, employees, and how important is this sector to the Irish economy?
1: Okay, an SME, which is a small and medium-sized enterprise, uh, is categorized as a business that employs less than 250 people or has a turnover less than 5 million euro. Um, And, okay, so The the point, I suppose, is that companies of that category account for 99.8% of total businesses in the Irish economy, and they employ about 1.06 million people. So really, uh, what we would categorize as an SME is the typical business you see out there in the Irish economy, and they are a particularly important component of sort of the towns and villages and cities around the country. But even here in Dublin, you know, the Mm -hmm. shops, the restaurants, um, all of the businesses we see out there, many of those could actually be categorized as SME. So it is an incredibly um, important component of the Irish economy. And I would argue uh, that while foreign direct investment is really important, that the SME sector really is the lifeblood of the economy
0: OK. And what's the current position or state of the SME sector in Ireland as we look, we're look, we looking now to kind of emerge from the restrictions and put in place uh, new measures to uh, get out of COVID-19? So what's the, what's the current state of the sector?
1: Well, I, I suppose it's important to recognise, you know, prior to COVID-19 and the shock that represents, uh, life for SMEs is challenging. You know, um, margins are generally tight. Um, they face, you know, lots of costs. Uh, of doing business. So it's it's never easy for an SME to actually survive and prosper. And then when it gets hit with a shock like COVID-19, and have no doubt about it, COVID-19 has had a much more devastating impact on the SME sector than on any other part of the economy. Yeah. So if you look at the sort of hierarchy of pain, uh, the accommodation and food services sector, or in other words, hospitality as in pubs, restaurants, hotels, Uh, they were forced to shut down in the second half of March. Uh, Many of those businesses have not yet reopened. Um, Secondly, the non-grocery retail sector, all of those shops we see on our streets Mm -hmm. have been effectively shut down since the second half of March. So um, COVID-19 has had an absolutely devastating impact on many of those SMEs. And I, I would argue that, You know, from a government perspective, the one thing we need to ensure is that as the economy is gradually reopened, that those SMEs are still around to actually reopen and drive the economy back into recovery. Because could you imagine trying to rebuild our tourism sector if half the pubs, restaurants and hotels in the country were to shut down? So um, the, the environment for many SMEs at the moment is during the period of lockdown has been dreadful. But even after they reopen, uh, recovery is going to be slow because those businesses particularly will be subject to expensive and business limiting social distancing measures and health protocols. And on top of that, you know, the economic environment is going to be tougher with higher unemployment. So, It's one thing getting the SMEs, those businesses, to reopen. Um, It is something else entirely to make sure that they can survive in what will be a very different and challenging environment over the next 18 months.
0: Sure, and I guess um, within the SME sector, some have been hit harder than others, and the Local Jobs Alliance... Um, uh, represents is made up of several bodies that represent the businesses that are particularly uh, most exposed, and these are the people who've commissioned this this report. So, what are the main findings and and the proposals that con- are contained in the report?
1: Okay, there's there's two aspects to the report. As you say, the Local Jobs Alliance is made up of seven bodies: the two vintners' associations, the Hotels Federation, the Isme, the RG Data. Uh, the CSNA, that's the Convenience Stores Network Association. So uh, b- bodies like that um, are really focused in on employment in our community. You know, a lot of sort of smaller community businesses, a lot of them being family owned. Um, there's two aspects to the report. One was, and this really wasn't the original intention of the report, but as things developed, it changed Uh, But one one of the things is looking at the sort of assistance that will be required for those businesses because of COVID-19. So, you know, we're looking at the hospitality sector, for example, um, a reduction in the VAT rate to 0%, um, and then from the end of 2021 onwards, a 9% VAT rate permanently. Mm -hmm. Um, We're looking at various grants to, um, you know, fund the businesses during the shutdown period, and then financial assistance, you know, for the first 12, 18 months after they reopen. Um, we're, we're looking at the notion of trying to, um, grant aid those businesses to make sure that they can cope with the new reality. So social distancing, for example, and all of the requirements around that.
0: And it's grant and aid as opposed to loans, right?
1: Will inevitably have to develop a much stronger online presence. So a lot of measures like that intended to get the businesses up and running again at the end of COVID-19 and then to survive. The longer term perspective, and I suppose this was the original purpose of the report, was to make sure that the often neglected SME sector becomes an integral part of a program for government, because typically when a program for government is being developed, um, it is dominated by, on on the business side, buyback and big business interests and at the other side then on the worker side by trade unions whereas the small business owners rarely get a look in so i am calling explicitly for the sme sector and how the sme sector is going to be treated to be a key part of the new program for government that's been developed and i would also i am recommending that we set up a specific state agency to nurture, promote, and help the SME sector. And the the model I would use is along the lines of, for example, the IDA, which is responsible for attracting foreign direct investment into the country, does that very successfully. Um, Enterprise Ireland, which has responsibility for building the export potential of Irish businesses, which it also does very successfully. But the SMEs have always sort of fallen down between the cracks. There is no agency with specific responsibility for SMEs and I am suggesting that we should set up one up as a matter of priority because there is no doubt those small and medium sized businesses will be absolutely essential to re-employing the 1.2 million people currently unemployed and also to rebuild our economy in general.
0: How would we avoid an overlap or a potential conflict maybe with the remit of Enterprise Ireland for example?
1: Uh, well, m- many SMEs just don't export, okay? Yeah. So, you know, you look at a pub, you look at a restaurant, you look at a hairdresser, you look at many of the retailers, they don't export and they never will export because of the nature of what they do. Whereas if there are businesses that have the potential to export, well, then they should be taken under the remit of Enterprise Ireland. So it's, it's, it's all based on... Um, the ability the willingness of um, and the capability of businesses to actually export
0: okay and outside of the companies that make up the uh, the representative bodies who are in the lga would this body also help those wider sme sectors you know including uh, wholesale distribution small manufacturing construction transport logistic services and so on
1: Absolutely. It, 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 would, um, it should include every single SME in the country that qualifies. Absolutely. So the Local Jobs Alliance um, were the seven that came together. Well, they've been together for a decade trying to promote family owned businesses. Um, but all of the suggestions they're making are actually aimed at the broader SME sector, regardless of whether they're included in those seven areas or not. So, no, it, it, it's all encompassing It's okay. economy wide and has to be.
0: And how long would you think it would take to get something like this set up once the new government's in place? And what level of resources are we talking about to commit to this?
1: Well, um, I, I, I suppose when you're setting up a body like this, uh, it does take a while. It would probably take at least 12 months to get it up and running because you have to resource it. You have to decide what the terms of reference are, how it's going to operate, etc., um, I mean, initially, I think it would require a staff of probably up to fifty people mm-hmm. uh, to do it properly.
0: And then the potential consequences or downside risk of actually not doing this either through a body or not sustaining the uh, supports in the in the longer term.
1: You see, uh, the, and this is one of the problems in the SME sector. There is a sort of a view out there that uh, these small businesses will survive. You know, they'll just keep trundling along. Um, what I, and I've done a lot of research with SMEs, they're really good at doing what they do. Okay, so, you know, they produce a good or a service, they do that very well, but you ask them to market it, to promote it, to develop an online presence, to, you know, try and build an export market, try and innovate, all of those things, um, staff management, financial management. They're good at doing what they do, but they're a lot less good because of limited resources at doing all of the other things that are needed to make a business successful. So if the sector continues to be neglected, as has been the situation, you know, the SME sector will just trundle along. You'll see, you know, a high attrition rate, lots of business going out of business. Other ones will set up. But they will all really struggle to fulfil their potential. So if you could step in with the state agency and provide... Very targeted assistance to those companies, you know, to help them build up financial acumen, marketing, to media, all of the other things that are required to run a successful business. They require, small business owners require assistance to do these things.
0: And are there any models or precedents in other similar-sized economies internationally that we might look to for best practice that we could emulate? Or is this actually a novel proposal?
1: Uh, I think it's a pretty novel proposal. I mean, there I, I suppose Enterprise Ireland isn't 100 miles away from what I'm talking about. Um, in the United States, you have um, a body that sort of looks after business as such. So that there are models like this around the place. But uh, this is a a kind of a unique one. And I think it reflects the very unique nature of um, Ireland's economy, because more than most other countries in the world, we have a massive preponderance of SMEs. As I said, 99.8% of businesses that are registered in Ireland are actually SME. Uh, Whereas in other countries, and you can see it in Germany at the moment even, You know, we're finding out as the German government tries to supply aid to companies in the context of COVID, a lot of those companies are large. We have a lot less large companies here in Ireland. What I would like to see ultimately the end of all of this is that we have less SMEs in the economy and that they grow up to be larger companies.
0: Yes indeed yeah it strikes me that one of the one of the difficulties with the SME sector in representing itself is, is that it's not really a vertical sector at all you know say no. like food or pharma and construction but rather it's like a horizontal cut across all of these vertical sectors so consequently its voice is kind of diluted is that a difficulty and a challenge uh, that, that you see there out there and if so what can be done to re- remedy that
1: Yeah yeah it is it is a huge challenge because um I mean, I, for example, am an SME implying two people. Um, a restaurant down the road is an SME implying maybe 20 people. Um, a small manufacturing operation, you know, here in Dublin, maybe implying 100 people is an SME. So it, it's an incredibly uh, dispersed sector, mm. um, and it's, it's hard to define it. So that's a problem. Um, it never speaks with United Voice or never get the united representation. So that's why I think if you could set up a state body acting as an umbrella for all of those different sectors, you'd have a much greater chance of success.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. They're all kind of at the tail end of whatever vertical sector they're they in and whatever association they belong to. Isn't that the case?
1: That's absolutely the case, yes. Okay. yes.
0: So what would you say are the actual strengths of the Irish SME sector that, that will stand to it as, as we look to get back on our feet in the coming weeks and months?
1: Well, one of the strengths is the passion that these business owners have. Um, You know, the the fact that they manage to stay in business despite the challenges of operating as an SME, um, it just demonstrates the passion they have. Um, And I think that's what we need to exploit more than anything else and actually encourage that passion, promote that. And um, so that's it, it's passion. Yeah. And uh, if, you, if you go out on a Friday night here in Dublin and, you know, restaurants, pubs, etc., they are all SMEs and uh, most of them do a bloody good job, mm. but they need support. They need to be recognized.
0: Yeah. yeah, you mentioned Germany there earlier. How do Irish SMEs compare to those in other uh, European economies, say in terms of capitalization, investment, management, professionalism and so on?
1: Well, one of the problems with Irish SMEs is that there's a huge, huge um, dependence on bank credit, whereas in countries like Germany, you have much more, and particularly the United States, uh, there's a lot of private capital investments going into those companies. So the sector here is incredibly dependent on the, um, the banking sector for finance. That's a problem. It creates a vulnerability, particularly at a time like this. Um, when SMEs become higher risk because of the business environment, um, in, in terms of you know their professionalism and so on, it's a very mixed bag. You know, we definitely have SMEs that are top of class, but we have a lot of SMEs that are mediocre or bottom of league, and it's not because of any fault of their own. It's because they just don't have the resources and the help and support to develop all of the skills required to make. Um, a small ordinary business into a larger, excellent business.
0: Yeah, we seem to have a preponderance of, if you like, micro companies, like less than ten employees. Yeah. So if I if I play devil's advocate for a minute and I said, listen, these companies are just—they're too small, they're too informal, uh, they lack ambition, they don't have vision, they're not particularly professional. So therefore, they're vulnerable, and you know, there probably should be fewer of them and bigger. W- would that be an unfair criticism?
1: Well, as you say, about I think around thirty-five percent of SMEs employ less than ten people. So, as you say, a preponderance of very, very small businesses. Um, But just because they're small, uh, doesn't mean they should not be supported. I mean. You can step in and you can create the structures to promote and help those businesses. But if the businesses just aren't capable, aren't up to it, if the management isn't up to it, those businesses will go out of business. But I don't think we should ignore the whole sector just because uh, some won't succeed. I, I think it is worth investing in making sure that as many of those can become bigger, excellent businesses as possible. And another, I suppose, factor that would push me in this direction in promoting this is the fact that foreign direct investment is very important, Employs 245,000 people in the economy, supports a lot of SMEs as well. Um, That model is now under pressure because of global corporation tax changes. Uh, We've heard Trump over the last couple of months complaining about the fact that many medicinal products and pharmacy products and equipment are manufactured out of the United States and he wants to bring manufacturing back to the States and he has name-checked Ireland on a number of occasions. Mm. So what I'm saying really is that the environment for foreign direct investment in Ireland is going to become more challenging over the coming years. So hence there's an absolute necessity in my view to make sure we can grow and nurture an indigenous economy, and that indigenous economy is currently dominated by SMEs. As I was saying, my ambition ultimately would like would, would be to help those companies move from S to M to large.
0: Sure. And uh, I guess if we can do that, then we as a country become more resilient, because there are going to be future shocks, like this one almost felt like it came out of nowhere. We don't know what's coming next, and if we are uh, vulnerable, if we are not diversified enough we're over-reliant on FDI, um, we're going to get hammered again, isn't that the case?
1: Yeah, it, it is indeed. Um, you know, the more businesses, the more diverse business you have across the economy, the more uh, resilience it creates. Uh, you asked me the question earlier about international norms. I suppose I should have mentioned in Germany, there is this category of business called the Mittelstand, and it is basically small and medium-sized businesses that are a key part of the German economy, bit larger than what we've categorized SMA here, but they're a key part of the German economy and the German economic model. They are believed to be a key element of resilience for Germany during economic shocks. And as a consequence, they get a lot of support from the German authorities. That's what we need to create here. And if there's a model we should look at, actually, it is Germany probably more than anywhere
0: else. Yeah, it's, it's interesting as well. I sometimes find that, you know, in Ireland, particularly those of us are of a certain age, that we tend to think of Ireland the way it used to be, as being a very small, insignificant place. But its economy is quite substantial now. Whether you look at GDP, which is not always that... that, that uh, trustworthy, or even GNP, we're a considerable economy. So a lot of these companies, if they have the professional uh, nouse and the, the training and the uh, the finance and the help, they can really become uh, interesting businesses, maybe Irish type middle stance.
1: Of course, of course they can. It's interesting, since I published this report, I was contacted by somebody from the IDA, who was 100% behind what I was saying about setting up a state agency. Um, and he said he has always believed that the the FDI companies and the SME sector should be much more closely aligned. They should work more closely together. And, and that in that way, you can, you know, help push the SMEs up the value chain. You know, and to do that, to make those SMEs you know, a realistic business partner for large multinational companies, you know, they need to be up the value chain. They need to be high quality, high management, financial skills, marketing, etc. Uh, to survive in that world. And I think to do that, they definitely need some sort of official support of the type that I'm suggesting.
0: Yeah, you can see actually a kind of a symbiotic or synergistic relationship there because if we have... SMEs that are capable of being suppliers of services and products or materials, raw materials to uh, multinationals, that's going to attract them in. So we could actually, actually be uh, killing two birds with a one stone here, right?
1: Absolutely,
0: 100%. Then at the, at the macro level, so uh, we're seeing governments around the world and central banks around the world, the US, the UK and the European Union coming out quite strongly uh, in response to the crisis, bond buying, interest rate reduction, stimulation packages and so on. Do you think that Ireland is going to be, as, as, a, as a country, as a state, uh, as a government, is it going to be able to be expansive in, in this way and will it receive support or leeway from the European Union to do so?
1: Okay, I I think the answer to the question is there is no choice. Um, If we want to rebuild our economy, if we want to make sure that all of those businesses that were forced to shut down can reopen and survive and rebuild the economy, well, the government is just going to have to accept. And it is going to have to run significant deficits over the next couple of years. And the good news, of course, is that the European Union has torn up the rules of engagement at the moment. You know, state aid rules are out the window. Uh, Fiscal rules limiting the amount of money you can borrow are out the window. So as as a consequence of all of that, um, I think the Irish government will have to borrow, will have to be expansionary. And the really good news is that because of sensible decisions taken 10 or 12 years ago not to default on our national debt, Ireland is regarded as a good risk prospect at the moment. And we even saw in the last week the National Treasury Management Agency raising another substantial lump of money at very low rates of interest. So Ireland is regarded as a good credit risk. Yeah. So we're looking we we at borrow yeah. as much as we need to fund the deficit. And I think we will have to accept that over the next couple of years we will have to run significantly bigger deficits in order to rebuild our economy. Because at the end of the day, uh, without an economy, without viable businesses you will not generate the tax revenues needed to fund public services. Yeah. So restoring economic activity and the businesses that will do that is in my view essential at the
0: moment. Yeah. And then, and then also I guess it's it's not necessarily the absolute quantity of the debt we're carrying but rather the ratio of that debt to our GDP so if we've no growth we're going to be in trouble on that front aren't we? E-
1: exactly, um, the, the, the only way Okay, it's going to, we are going to have to accept over the next couple of years we will run significantly higher levels of debt. The question is, how do we ultimately get that debt down? One option would be to increase taxes and cut spending, which is what we did back in 2007, 2008. In my view, that would be a mistake uh, because I think it would risk turning a recession into a depression. The second option is to get your debt ratio down by growing GDP, that, that, that part of the equation. So that's why um, getting growth back on track as strong as possible, as quickly as possible, is the way we should tackle our debt problem and ultimately get it back down. But uh, it's not easy and we have to accept that at least for the next couple of years, uh, we will have much bigger deficits. But I think we just have to live with that. And the debate or the discussion we're having here um, is being had in virtually every country of the world at the moment. Sure. You know, every government is accepting, even the Germans particularly, that they're going to have to run big deficits to get Germany out of this.
0: Yeah, so that is, that is a cha- th- That is a big change, isn't
1: it? It is indeed. If you look at the fiscal expansion delivered um, across the world, um, the United States is top of the pile, but Germany is a close second. And that definitely is a change. I mean, even last week, Angela Merkel announced another 130 billion euro package of fiscal stimulus.
0: Yeah, strange times indeed. Yeah, Um, I I often reflect on this. I know, you know, we we have a much better infrastructure now than, let's say, we did in the in the 80s when we had that you know major recession at that time. But I think we still have an infrastructure uh, deficit, and perhaps we have an opportunity now because the uh, the mood music has changed. Uh, that we can in- invest in in infrastructure. I'm thinking here maybe of, you know, water treatment plants, green energy, broadband and so on. Do you think there's much uh, hope that the new government, when it gets its hands on the lever of power, uh, will do that? Or do you think it might lose its nerve after a few months or next year and, uh, you know, revert to austerity or be reined back in by the EU? What, what do you think?
1: Uh, there is always that risk and... Um but believe me, the, the sort of permanent government we have, as in, you know, the Department of Finance and Public Expenditure Reform, and indeed every government department, the natural inclination is to rein in and be as conservative as possible. Um, I don't think we can do that. Um, I, I think, you know, we, we are recalibrating our economy at the moment, forced to do so because of the COVID shock. Um, And and coming out of this, I think there is now an opportunity, and I think the EU for the foreseeable future will facilitate this. There is an opportunity to build up the structures of our economy and particularly to build up the environmental credentials of the economy. So I just hope to God uh, whatever government comes into power does not lose nerve. Uh, And that's why I suppose what's going on at the moment in terms of government formation is so important. Because to make these decisions, we will need a strong united government. If we don't have that permanent government, we'll continue to make all the decisions.
0: So maybe just to end on a kind of positive note, what opportunities do you actually see emerging from this COVID crisis, say for Ireland in general and for the SME sector in particular?
1: Well, I I think one of the opportunities is, is that, you know, out of adversity, opportunities arise. You know, businesses have had to adjust to... A very different model um, and a very different environment over the last three or four months. And, you know, we see restaurants, for example, doing really well at the moment on the back of takeaway. So they they have adjusted, they've become more adaptable. Um, and, and, and I think a shock like this does force business to be much more um, innovative and, and so on. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that. And the second thing is, um, I, I hope Irish people, all of us recognize, just how important it is to support our own local businesses, particularly the smaller ones. Uh, Because once your local coffee shop, restaurant, bookshop is gone, it's gone. Um, And it's a huge loss to the community as well as to the economy. So I I would hope people, and and I do believe people appreciate now just how important having a safe, secure supply of food is, for example, yeah. you know, back in middle of March, people were concerned that our food supply chain would break down, and we saw, you know, a lot of hoarding of food products in the supermarkets. And we've come through it unscathed, the food supply chain has held up very well. So I think that should convince people just how important supporting local industries and local businesses is. And that is the opportunity to jump in on top of that.
0: Yeah, we've certainly learned a lot. Um, All right, Jim, we're going to have to leave it there for today. Uh, Certainly a lot to digest and uh, we'll keep our eye on developments in relation to this proposal in the coming weeks and months as the new Irish government takes its place and gets its hands on the levers of power. Been a pleasure talking to you, Jim. Many thanks for being here with us today.
1: You're very welcome, Pat. My pleasure.
0: Thanks also to our listeners. And remember that if you'd like to find out more about globalization, international business, and how we can help you to formulate and implement business strategies that deliver, please check out my blog and website on albalogistics.com and my book, International Supply Chain Relationships, which can be purchased on Amazon and Google Books. This is Patrick Daly of Alba Consulting. Goodbye and keep well until next time.